teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring on a teacher friend to talk about simple ways to engage our students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, friends, to episode number 10. To be honest, I was hoping to be farther along by this point, but podcasting is way more time-consuming than I anticipated, so making it to episode 10 is really quite exciting. Luckily, we're just a few weeks away from summer, which means more time to podcast and hopefully more podcasts to share with you. Speaking of summer, we're literally just a few weeks away. At the time of this recording, I have 13 days left, so let's all have a moment of silence for the amazingness of that. Okay, but with summer, that means days off at the pool, relaxing, reading, maybe some catching up or planning for the next school year. Carrie Conover from Educators to Educators is putting on a teacher summer reboot course to refresh, reorganize, and reboot for the upcoming school year. Head to my show notes to find out more. This week's guest is Michelle Ferret of Pocket Full of Primary. Have you checked out her YouTube channel? If not, you need to. I found Michelle by searching something on YouTube. I'm not even sure what, but she popped up and I watched a couple of her videos and I fell in love. Michelle is a fourth grade teacher in Maryland and y'all, she has over 30 kids in her class. I think she said like 34, like in one class. I can't even. Anyways, Michelle and I talk about behavior management strategies, how to engage students, organizing your classroom for packing it up, and she shares some of her products she has on TPT to help you as you prep for the end of the year. After talking to Michelle, I felt so encouraged and motivated. She's so positive, but I also appreciated her realness and the hardships of teaching. I know that you're going to feel encouraged as well. Also, I want to apologize in advance for the audio. There was some sort of popping or cackling noise that was happening while I was recording. I don't know. I'm sorry. And you can hear my bracelets jingling. I'm sorry. Like I said, episode 10, I'm still figuring it all out. But anyways, I know you're going to love this conversation. So here we go. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you too. So I like to start out the show with just having guests kind of introduce themselves both on a personal level and then as a professional. Okay. So my name is Michelle Foray. I currently am teaching fourth grade on the Western shore of Maryland. I previously taught second grade and besides teaching, I mean, that does take up a lot of my life, but I also run a YouTube channel, which is also connected to teaching, but I also just kind of share behind the scenes of my life in general. I do some like training slash fitness kind of, um, vlogs and I basically vlog my entire life. Like at least Monday through Friday is all on my YouTube channel. And besides that, I mean, I run, I go to the gym and that's about it. Okay. Two questions from that. What made you get into the vlogging? It kind of happened on accident. Actually, I never started a YouTube channel with the intention of vlogging. (laughs) I loved watching vlogs, but I never thought that my life was interesting enough to be a vlogger. So I just started making like sit down videos on my channel. And then I had someone suggest that I try a vlog and I was like, "Eh, I don't know how I feel about this, but sure. Like I'll try it. And I tried it like right before winter break, which I'm like, this is going to be crazy. But if I'm ever going to have stuff to talk about, it's going to be the week before winter break. So I tried it. And when I went back and edited the footage, I was like, I love this because being able to see my life like in hindsight and get to see like my feelings at the time and just getting to reflect on the things that I did for me was really, really beneficial. And then I love having that almost as like an online diary that I can kind of look back on. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't think about it as like a reflective tool for yourself. Like, cause you are like, I've watched some of your videos and you're like literally in the middle, you're like, it's lunchtime right now. And I'm you know, doing (laughs) this or whatever. So that's a really cool, you know, cause I think like most people think, Oh, well, they're just doing it to like get out their ideas or share with other people. But I never thought of it being like a reflective tool. Yourself. Yeah, it's definitely a personal thing too. I mean, I love being able to share it and, and give ideas. And then I get a lot of ideas from people too in the comments, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But for me, it is, it's definitely a reflective tool. And I now have basically the past year and a half of my life all on video, which is just really cool to be able to go back and like watch. And I will have that for the rest of my life. So especially as I become older and become more of like a veteran teacher to be able to look back on my first couple of years, I think will be really interesting. How long have you been teaching? This is my fourth year fourth year. Okay. So I'm just, I'm year six. So okay. we're still in the newbie yeah, range. I feel like 10 and under, you're still kind of considered new. And then after that you become more of a veteran teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay. If you only have, you know, a few years experience, you're not that far removed from being a first year teacher. What would you say to a new teacher coming into the profession? I would definitely, I don't want to sugarcoat things because I think I came into the profession expecting everything to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. And then all of a sudden my first year of teaching hit and it was like shock because my first year of teaching was rough. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. And if you have a great first year, like kudos to you, that's awesome. But I had a really rough first year. I remember countless nights coming home and just like crying because I was so stressed and I was so overwhelmed. And you know, your first year you do everything for the first time. And that's really hard. You're trying to figure out how to communicate with parents. You're trying to get to know your school. You're trying to get to know like state and district assessments and all of that. But on top of that, I had a lot of like behavior challenges my first year. I was at a title one school. And when I did my student teaching, it was not at a title one school. So that was a little bit of just a surprise to me. It took a lot of adjustment and it was rough. However, I will say, despite all of that, I can say that teaching is so much more rewarding than I ever thought. You know, I've always wanted to be a teacher my entire life. And I knew like, oh yeah, I'm in it for the outcome, not the income, all that, all the cliches of teaching. But when you actually get in there, you're like, it's even better than I thought, just in terms of like forming relationships with your students, getting to see them grow, having them come back to visit you makes all of those tough days completely worth it. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the year. Cause we're, I don't know about y'all. I think we're like five weeks out from the last day of school. Yeah. We're somewhere around that. We finished mid June. Um, but this is like, there goes my dog. Sorry if you can hear. Um, this is my favorite part of the year because, I don't know, I feel like I can finally be hands-free with my kids. Like, And I can watch them like know the routines of the classroom and know how to do things and watch them like help each other. I don't mean hands-free and like, oh, I'm not right, doing right. anything. But you know what I'm yes. saying? Like, they, they, you just see how much they've grown in like these eight or nine months that we've had them. Yeah. And especially this time of year, I feel like I kind of become very brain dead because I'm just like so burned out and oh. it ends up being where my kids are like reminding me, Oh, Miss Ray, you need to do this or you need to do that. And I'm like, thank goodness you're here because I would be lost without you at this point. Like I know exactly what you're talking about and just like the relationships that I have with them. Like at this point, I know them so well. And I definitely prefer the end of the year compared to the beginning of the year for that exact reason. Oh, yeah. 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 The end of the, the beginning of the year, always like, uh, this new group, like I want my old group back. And then it's the same every year, same every year. Your first year sounds very similar to my second year. Like came home almost every day in tears. I called my dad one day in tears being like, can you please just support me? Like I need to take off the rest of the year. Cause it was same thing, behavior, title one school, not a lot of support. And it's just, you just have to keep waking up and doing it and taking the next step. And then hopefully were you rewarded with a better class after like, yeah. And I think that's an interesting point. The fact that I feel like it's cycles and I feel like a lot of new teachers are like, Oh, after my first year, it's so much easier. And it does to a degree, you get to know the curriculum and you get to kind of figure out your teaching style. But at the same time, you will still have hard years after your Mm -hmm. first year. It's not like your first year. Oh, you're done. Like the rest of it's a cakewalk. It's not. I had a rough year my first year. My second year loved it. I barely had any behavior issues. I somehow went from a class of like 23 down to a class of 16. Like I just had kids that kept moving. It was crazy. And I loved that group so much. And then my third year, I think my third year was actually tougher than my first year, just in terms of like behavior issues. It it was so much worse. And then this year, I love it. So it is, it's very up and down kind of a roller coaster and you have good years and bad years. And I just think it's important to know that. And, you know, for me, one thing that really helps is I have a memory box and anytime a student gives me something that I want to hold on to that, you know, strikes up a good memory, whether it's a note they gave me or a card or a letter, I put it in there. So when I have those rough days, whether it's year one, year three, year 10, I can pull those out and look back on it and just remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's such a good idea. I, I have one of those, but I haven't looked at it in a while. So yeah, I need to go look at it. So then what are some behavior, like if you've had behavior challenges, what are some techniques you have to dealing with those? 
honestly, for me, I feel like it comes down to my relationship with that child. And there are some behavior issues that no matter what I do, I feel like it doesn't work because there's a deeper issue. And I always try to remind myself that and not take it personally. Cause I think my first year, anytime a student like misbehaved, I'm like, they don't like me. What am I doing wrong? And you can't take it personally. Cause a lot of times those behavior issues stem from something out of your control, whether it's something at home, something going on in their personal lives. So for me, one thing that really helped was just forming tight relationships with my students, whether that was eating lunch with them or going to their sporting events outside of school and supporting them or talking to the parents and saying, Hey, is there anything I can do to help you out? I know, you know, your, your kid's going through a rough time right now. And just forming those relationships made it that much easier that when they did have those outbursts, I was able to talk to them. I was able to kind of calm them down, get them on my level and be able to kind of reason with them. And I feel like without having that relationship, you can try all of the incentives in the world. You can try all of the, you know, positive behavior, whatever. And it's just not going to work if you don't have a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm like thinking of one kid right now that is just like this year, I'm just like, like I sent an email to the principal today being like, I don't know what else to do for this kid. And it's, you know, it's like, you keep trying, you keep trying, but if you don't have a relationship, then yeah. You don't really have And I feel like it comes down to in those moments that you're describing where it's like, I don't know what else to do. It's like, just love them because I love the quote where it says the students who need love the most often ask for it in the most unloving ways. And I always try to remind myself of that. And, you know, they're acting out. And as much as I want to yell at them or whatever, I have to just, I have to love them because that's what they truly need in that moment. That's good. I needed to hear that after today because today was, it was okay. I jumped in like really quick and I wanted to go back and talk about, you just ran the Boston marathon. You mentioned like slightly, Oh, I run, but okay. I really want to hear about this. So tell me. Yes. Um, so I recently ran the Boston marathon as a part of the Highlands all teacher team. So Highlands is the, hold on, let me get this right. They are the official cramp relief sponsor of the Boston marathon. So when athletes have cramps during the Boston marathon, they provide, um, they have like homeopathic tablets and creams and things that, that treat that. So they put together a team every year. Last year, they had done a team of all women and this year they did a team of all teachers. And I had applied back in like November, kind of on a whim. Um, didn't think they would actually pick me, but they did. I found out in December that I became part of this team and it was an incredible experience because not only was I training for the marathon, which is difficult as a teacher, but I was surrounded by other teachers doing it at the same time. So we were all able to kind of connect with each other and collaborate and rant if we needed to. And then the Boston marathon was April 16th. So it's been about two, three weeks now since then. Were they teachers from all over the country that got selected? Yes. Okay. Yep. All over the country. Now, in order to, I'm not a runner. Like, in, in <laughs> I haven't even made it from like couch to five kit. I haven't even finished. Right, right. Um, so kudos to you. Uh, but don't you have to qualify to be in the Boston Marathon, right? Typically, yes. Um, this, you have to do with this. I did not. Okay. Uh, in order to run, typically there are different times that you have to hit depending on, you know, male or female or your age bracket, which of course I'm in the fastest group until I turn like 35. So (laughs) I was never going to run it if it were not for this team, because I've been a runner for about 10 years now, since I was a freshman in high school, I was a sprinter and then kind of on a whim decided to start marathon training when I was in college, just because I wanted to say I had ran a marathon, but I've never been like a fast distance runner. It's just not me whatsoever. So Mm -hmm. I was not going to be able to run this race if it weren't for this team. Highlands puts together the team and you don't have to time qualify, which was just like perfect for me. (laughs) That's so awesome. So you've ran marathons before. Yeah. Boston was my fifth marathon. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Although I will say I had ran basically all four of my prior marathons before I started teaching, you know, I did it during like yeah. my student teaching, which isn't quite as time consuming. And then right. I stopped and I kind of forgot that I had stopped because it is so time consuming and teaching is so time consuming. And to try to do both is just crazy. And then add a YouTube channel on top of it. Like, I don't know. What yeah, so mean. how did you do? Cause like, you know, I go to school and teach all day and then I come home and I try to run this side business and I try to have a family. Well, I don't have kids, right. but like my husband and my dogs, you know, and like a social life. And I mean, I know it's because I don't make it a priority, but I just, I never seem to find time to work out because something, so like I was, when I was thinking about us talking, I was like, how does she manage 
working, YouTube, and running. Those are like the three main things I know about you. Plus, you know, whatever else I don't know. Right. And I will say it's hard. I mean, I feel like sometimes people see like my persona on social media and they're like, oh, she has it all together. No, I don't. As much as it seems like I do and as much as I want people to think that I do, I definitely had to make sacrifices. I've always worked out even before this past marathon, I kind of stopped running and I was doing more like weightlifting at the gym. So I was still spending like a good hour in the gym, probably four to five days a week. But the running was more time consuming, especially on the weekends, because previously, like my weekends were all dedicated to YouTube. And now during my training cycle, I mean, I would go up to like a three hour run on Sunday and like a two hour run on Saturday. So it was definitely time consuming. I, I kind of had to let go a little bit of my YouTube channels slightly. I was still putting out a weekly classroom vlog. I had planned to also put out a training vlog. It sounded great in theory, but I think I got two of them out. And then I was like, I just can't. And even now I still have like four more videos that I need to edit and get put up. So I kind of had to put that to the side and I just reasoned with myself and I'm like, I can't keep adding to my plate without taking something off of it. Like, it's just not possible. You can do anything, Mm -hmm. but you can't do everything. So I kind of just accepted that that was going to be how it was until the race was over in terms of like my relationship. Cause I do have a boyfriend. He goes by Mr. Pocket full of pride, Marion. <laughs> I saw that. And I asked, I asked my husband, I was like, do you want to be Mr. Simply organized teacher? And he was like, no, Kelly. It's taken me about three years to get him on board with it, but now he has embraced it. Um, I started just setting time aside with him because I'm like, if I don't, this poor boy, like I'm not going to have time for him. So it started where Saturdays I would get up, I would go for my long run. Him and I would have time together. I started subscribing to a company called Datebox. So they would send us like a box every month. Oh, yeah. So we would do that together. And then I would edit my YouTube video like Saturday night. And that definitely helped. I, like you, do not have kids. Thank goodness. Because I think if I did, I, I can't even imagine like trying to do that. But a lot of early mornings, yeah. a lot of late nights and not a lot of time with friends, which, you know, kind of stinks. But at the same time, like it was temporary. I was training from December until mid-April. So it was temporary. It was rough, but I got through it. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm happy with what I was able to get accomplished. It wasn't everything, but that's okay. Yeah. So what, when you run for two and three hours a day, what do you, what do you do? Like, I would get so bored. Actually, I listen to podcasts. Oh, do you? (laughs) Yes. Um, what do you listen to? So I'm that total weird person that like runs through the woods and then listens to like murder podcast kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had listened to like serial, which I'd already Uh listened to, but I re-listened to the entire season. I had found all these like unsolved murder mystery, like podcasts. I listened to a bunch of those. I also had some like fitness running kind of podcasts that I would listen to where, and cause you know, what else am I going to do when I run besides listen to stuff about running, but mostly podcasts, a little bit of music if I like really needed a push, but podcasts are my jam. Did you listen to Up and Vanish? Yes, I did. I had already listened to it before, but I did re-listen to it during my training cycle. That one was like, I just listened to it probably, I probably finished it like two weeks ago. That was a long one. And like, it took me so long and I didn't listen to anything else while I was, you know, like I was only focused on that and I binged it and it was so good. I. I didn't know how I felt about it at the beginning because it seemed kind of like, you know, the guy's like, oh, I I listened to Serial and I wanted to start my own podcast. I'm like, all right, slow your roll. Like, you're not going to be Serial, but the more you listen to it, it's definitely addicting. Yeah, it was. Um, Okay, I need to look at my notes (laughs) because I got us way off track. Um, Okay, did I tell you, did I ask you this, why you want to become a teacher? Um, I know I mentioned that, like, I've always wanted to teach, so... I distinctly remember sitting in second grade and like literally having that epiphany where I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher. And I think at the time it's because I saw my teacher like sitting there with the answer key and, you know, they have summers off and I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But I will say my second grade teacher was absolutely amazing. Like when you think of engaging teachers, he was that. And he had this entire wall of like hats that he would wear and he would kind of take on different personas. And he had this huge thing of puppets. And it's all those little things that I remember, you know, he played guitar and And I had never really loved school up until that year. And that year was actually rough for me. Looking back on it, I was definitely in like a reading intervention program and didn't realize it. Um, So I was kind of on the struggle bus, but like I loved that year because of him and he just made it so engaging. And like he became that teacher that in years to come, I compared all of my other teachers to him. And it's kind of interesting since then, um, I actually made a YouTube video where I kind of talked about this and I found him on Facebook and like reached out to him and sent it to him. So I've kind of reconnected with him 
since then, which has just been cool to be like, Hey, you're the reason yeah. that I'm doing this. So, That's so cool. Yeah. What did he say when you sent him that video? It's kind of interesting. Cause currently, um, he's been kind of in and out of the classroom and, you know, he's, he's had some like rough experiences just in terms of like, not necessarily administration, but more so like the people in the County that he was working for and all that. So that was almost a little bit sad for me, you know, this like figure that I've looked up to for so many years. And then I finally become a teacher and I share it with him and he's like, he was kind of pessimistic about teaching. Uh, Um, which kind of stinks. But at the same time, like, I'm still like, Hey, here's my channel. Like I do all this stuff. And I hope that maybe I could kind of motivate him too. Um, I know he's been somewhat following it. Cause every once in a while he'll send me a message and be like, Hey, congratulations, like on running the Boston marathon and stuff like that. So I'm like, I feel like I'm hopefully influencing him in a positive way. But, yeah. Well, and yeah. if anything, at least he knows that he touched one kid's right. life, you know? So then what kind of things are you doing? Are you wearing hats to engage your students? (laughs) I don't wear hats. Um, Hats are not my thing. I do teach with accents a lot and I don't even know how that started. I kind of remember my first year of teaching. There was one day where my kids were just not feeling it. Like they were all half asleep and I'm like, okay, I got to do something to get through to these kids. And I just started speaking with a British accent, which is not impressive for me at all. Like I'm not good at accents, but all of a sudden they started paying attention. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is it. And so now I just have all these random accents. And whenever I have those days where my kiddos are just not with it, I will pull one out. It definitely helps. I also am the teacher that like runs around and jumps on chairs and like stands on desks and things like Mm -hmm. that, because I always tell myself if I'm not excited to teach a lesson, I can't expect my students to be excited to learn it. So for me, I'm very high energy, at least with my students. I'm not in the rest of my life, but with my students, I feel like I can be completely my authentic weird self and like, they will love me for it. And I love that. So I am definitely like all over the place in my room, jumping up and down on chairs. And I tell my kids that from day one, I'm like, I'm crazy, accept it. Like you will love me by the end of the year. I promise. Um, I went to, uh, what's it called? Um, teach your heart. No, not teach your heart out. Uh, get your teach yes. on. Yes. Yes. And Amy Lemons. And, yes. Yeah. Um, and she was like jumping up on all the things. Mm-hmm. And like, then I started watching Ron Clark yes. videos where they like, actually do that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think my kids will look at me like yeah. I'm crazy. If I did that. But that's so true because today I was not, like I told you, I was out yesterday yeah. sick. And so today, like it felt like a Monday to me and I was just dragging and like, I was not excited about what I was teaching. My kids were sitting there staring at me and I'm like having that internal dialogue of like, okay, I need to amp up my like something because what I'm doing clearly isn't working because they're just as bored as I am. Maybe I'll try that tomorrow. Try stepping on Standing I'm always like peeking out my doors. I'm like, I swear if admin comes in right now, they're going to be like, what are you doing? But I'm like, it's all in the best interest of the kids. (laughs) Okay. I know that you are loving this conversation with Michelle, but I wanted to take a few minutes to tell you more about the summer reboot course. Jill Schaefer from Hello Fifth, Heather Campbell from Serious Giggles and Carrie Conover from Educators to Educators are putting on a 30 day teacher summer reboot. Carrie is a fellow teacher podcaster like me, so it's been really fun to chat podcasting with her. This course she has created is an online course. It's a positive and fun way to wind down from a long school year, take time for yourself, but also prep for the upcoming year. In the course, they're helping, encouraging, and teaching you how you can rethink, relax, and reboot and reorganize, my favorite thing, for the next school year because y'all, the new year will be here sooner than we think. I know, summer's not even here and I'm already talking about the new year. Anyways, I've linked to her website in my show notes, so make sure to go over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com. It'll link up straight to her website and you can get more information. I found you... I don't even know how, I guess, I mean, obviously on YouTube, um, I don't know what I was searching, but you came up something like you're into organizing, which is like totally my jam in my lane. So (laughs) let's talk about organizing. What are some of your like top two or three organizing tips you would give to teachers? 
I feel like the first thing I want to get across to people is the fact that you have to find a system that works for you. And I know when I first started teaching, like I had seen all these things on Pinterest. I'm like, I have to do that and that and that. And once I actually started using those systems in my classroom, I'm like, this does not work for me. And, you know, things like a filing cabinet, I used to see all these cute filing cabinet things. And then I realized I hate filing cabinets and that's okay because I have other systems that work for me. So find a system that works for you. And have a place for everything because that's one of the quickest ways to have your room get messy is to not have a place for something because then it just sits around and then you're more likely to just leave other things sitting around. But if you have a place to put everything, it makes it that much easier. Like at the end of the day, whenever it is that you kind of clean up your room to put all of those things away and make sure that your students know where everything goes to because they will help you clean up and it makes your life that much easier. I also am a huge fan of labeling. If you look at my TPT store, it's literally like labels, 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 because they just make me happy. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't have to sit there and laminate them and take them on. Like you can use a sticky note, whatever it is that works for Uh you. But I feel like labeling things makes it that much easier, not only for you and to know where things go, it makes it easier for your students. So they know where things go. God forbid you have a substitute, especially like an emergency situation where you don't have your sub binder out, whatever they can still find things because it's all labeled. Yeah, for sure. I'm a huge fan. When I go in and help teachers, um, organize their classrooms. That's the first thing I find is like, people don't have homes for things. And I'm always like, you need a home for everything. When Cody and I got married and he, so I own this house and he moved in Uh with me. And so now it's our house or whatever. And, you know, I'm trying to like train him into (laughs) how things work. Yeah. Um, but I kept like telling him everything has a home, but that's what I tell teachers all the time is like, everything has a home. Um, And it amazes me, like, how many teachers don't have that. And it's just, like you said, having a home and then having a label, even if it's a sticky note, it just gives it a title and it tells you, okay, this is where these things go. And I will say something that I think is more just personal preference. One thing I've learned since my first year of teaching is to invest in quality, like organizational bins, containers, whatever it is, because my first year, I pretty sure I kept the dollar store, like, you know, going because I was going there so much and buying so much, which was great because I was a first year teacher. I didn't have a lot of money and it worked for that year. But after that year, it just drove me crazy. The bins were all cracking. They were all breaking. None of them matched, which again, personal preference. I like all my stuff to match, but my second and third year I invested in like Sterlite containers and I have several different kinds, but it was expensive. I'm not going to lie. I remember buying all of these bins and I think I spent, you know, several like hundred dollars, probably like two, $300 to organize all my cabinets. And it was a lot. However, those things will last me for at least 10 years. I've been using them for three years now and right. they still look brand new. So if you can invest in quality organizational stuff, um, it may not happen your first year, second year, whatever. But when you finally get to the point, invest in those things. And I like to invest in Sterlite because they carry it everywhere. So even like Amazon, cause I like my stuff to match and there's nothing worse than mm-hmm. going to the dollar store and getting bins. And then you realize you need more and you go back and they don't have any. And you're like, ah, <laughs> now I just start over. Yeah. So invest in quality stuff and invest in stuff that's like very basic that if you decide to change up your classroom, like theme, it will still go with that. I have just like clear bins. I can change out the labels if I want to, but ultimately those will work for the rest of my teaching career. Yep. Preach it, girl. <laughs> I bins, love organization. Yeah. Bins are like my, my favorite, um, my favorite thing. I, and it's so silly. It's like, yeah, they're bins, oh, yeah. but whatever. Um, <laughs> okay. So then you, okay. I, I feel like this sounds creepy, but you put it on YouTube. So it's, I'm not creeping you cause it's on YouTube, <laughs> but you moved schools recently, yes. right? So yeah. like every year I've been at the same school, so I've never packed up a room mm-hmm. to move. That's actually not true. One time I thought I was leaving. So I packed up my whole classroom and moved it oh, out no, and then the moved worst. it back. Ugh. But <laughs> that was so long ago. I don't even remember, yeah. but you recently packed up a classroom Yes. To move to a new school. So what would you, what are some like tips for that? Yeah. So that was an experience. Um, I never realized how much stuff I had until suddenly I had to pack it all up, keep it all in my apartment throughout the summer and then move it here, keep it in my townhouse and then move it to the classroom. I was like, where did I get all of this stuff? It is. Um, definitely 
purge what you don't need. And I'm still doing that now because I have so much stuff that I brought with me that I thought I was going to need. And then now I'm like, I'm not using this, especially because I changed grade levels, which if you're not changing grade levels, that may not be applicable to you. But I definitely, it kind of goes back to those storage containers. I recommend investing in durable containers. But when it comes to moving classrooms, I'm not talking about the little containers. I'm talking about those big Mm -hmm. totes that you buy. I have with wheels. (laughs) See, I wish I had had those. I did not have any with wheels, but I had just like big Sterlite black totes. I don't even know how many gallons, like maybe like 20 gallons, 40 gallons. I don't know. But I had like six of them, I think. And I just packed those filled with stuff. So that way I could put a top on it. All my stuff was secure. It was dry because my parents had to move it like on a trailer to be able to get, you know, where I was going to. So those helped tremendously because they held so much. And then once I emptied all the stuff out into my classroom, I just stacked them all up like inside of each other. So they don't take up much room. And I have them in my basement. That definitely helped. Um, Yeah, the purging, which I was not good at this past summer, but I wish I had done more of because I kept so much stuff that I did not need to keep. Um, Well, and I try to tell teachers, like I was just um, talking to some friends last week. Um, She was a kindergarten teacher like six years ago or five years ago. I don't know. And she's and now she's fourth grade and she's like talking about how she has all these filing cabinets full of kindergarten stuff. And I'm like, get rid of it. And she's like, but what if I go back to kindergarten? And I'm like, you, you can't hang on to it because even if you do, the curriculum is going to have changed by then. Like your stuff is going to be, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what I very quickly realized, especially coming from my old district did not really have like a curriculum per se. So I had a lot of TPT stuff or stuff that I created and I've held on to it. Cause I'm like, what if I need it again? But where I'm at now, my County has their own like curriculum. So even if I moved from second grade or to second grade, rather, I would not even use any of that stuff. So that's going to be my summer project. It's a year late, but regardless, right. I'm going to go through, I'm going to get rid of all of that. Cause like you said, I'm not going to use it. Even if a time came when I would need it, it's going to be outdated and there's just no point in keeping it. And I think that's hard for teachers because it, we have to work so hard for the stuff that we have because it's expensive and trying to like get all this stuff Mm -hmm. and then you don't want to let it go. But I, I hold on to stuff, but at the same time, I love purging stuff. I love getting rid of stuff because it feels so good. So I I've had to learn that, you know, as much as I love that stuff that I had, it's okay to let it go and it's going to make me feel better. Yeah. Cause you can always get it again, yeah. especially if it's stuff like on teachers pay teachers that you just have to like, I mean, yes, it's a pain to print and laminate, yeah. but, um, and I feel like that's a lot of the times when I go into classrooms that are really disorganized is they just have so much stuff. And so it's going to be really hard to organize when you're just, you know, yeah. full of yeah, junk. Totally agree. So any other end of year packing up? tips, ideas. Um, So not specific to like changing schools, because it kind of got to the point where I'm like, just put stuff in boxes. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, it got to the point where I'm like, I'm out of boxes. And I just had to like pack stuff into my car. But um, in terms of like cleaning up your classroom at the end of the year, and I guess this could apply if you are changing like schools, um, as you pack stuff up, or as you're doing those end of the year things, make a list of all the things you're doing so that you have it for the next year. And then you can start much sooner. Because I know my first year, I literally did not start my like end of the year checklist until the last week of school, which was the worst decision of my entire life. But it was hard because I didn't know what I needed to do until I actually did it. But I went through and I made a list and it made my second and third and now my fourth year so much easier because I knew exactly what I had to do. Um, I also recommend taking a picture of your classroom before you start like dismantling stuff, putting stuff away. That way in the fall, when you go to start putting your stuff back up, you have a picture, especially if you have friends or family coming in to help you, you can literally show them the video yeah, or the picture and be like, Hey, this needs to go here. This needs to go there. Um, also, if you're not leaving the school and you're staying there, I always make a map of like the furniture that I have in my classroom. That way I leave it in the classroom for the custodian. Cause they always end up taking out filing cabinets, bookshelves, and like waxing mm-hmm. the floors. And then they know where to put it back. If you actually leave them like a map. That is so brilliant. Why did I never think of that? Yeah. <laughs> I learned after my first year, I was one of the last ones for them to like put the furniture back in. I'm like, I'm going to try something. So I left a map out. And the next year I was like one of the first classrooms that they did because it was easy for them. They didn't have to ask uh-huh. me. They knew exactly where everything went. So are you a, like you wait until the last week or two to start packing or do you start like gradually a few weeks 
So I've done both. My first year, I was like, oh, I don't want to tear anything down into the last week of school. I don't want to ruin the magic for my students. Uh My students have seen an empty classroom. They know what it looks like. Like, it's not a big deal. So after that, because that was very stressful waiting, I decided to start doing it much sooner. Um, I haven't really started yet this school year. I kind of need to probably after park testing's done this week. I'll start kind of working on like packing stuff up and all those little things, mostly because if you can get your students to help with it, it will make your life that much easier. (laughs) And your students can do so much more than you even think. Um, And they love to do it, especially my fourth grade. Like I have girls that come to me every morning. They're like, what can I help you with? What can I help you with? So if I can put them to work for the last couple of weeks, even simple things like testing markers to figure out which ones work and which ones need to be thrown away, going through indoor recess games to figure out like what pieces are missing, all those little things that are just time consuming. Start with that early because it's not going to make your classroom look empty or anything, but it will start checking things off your list for the next year. Yeah. Our school usually like about two weeks before the end of the year, the fifth graders will start coming out and they'll be like, Hey, do you need help? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. Come on yeah. in. Come yeah, on I can't in. wait to have been at um, my school for a couple of years so that like, I will know the older kids. Cause right now, like, I don't know anyone besides my own kids, but. So is this your first, first year at my new school? school? Yeah. And first year, yes. fourth grade. Yep. So what's your, what are you leaning towards? Second or fourth? Okay. I am leaning towards fourth and I never in a million years thought that I would say that when I got the call for this position being fourth grade, I honestly was really apprehensive. I didn't think I wanted to move to fourth grade because I thought I loved second until I moved to fourth grade. And then I realized fourth grade is so much better. At least in my opinion, I do miss the hugs. I used to get so many more hugs from my students in second grade, but my fourth graders just have so much more like developed personalities. And I feel like I can really get to know them on more of a personal level compared to my second graders. I felt like all they wanted to talk to me about was like what they saw on TV last night, but my fourth graders, I feel like I can really actually connect with them and like make a bigger difference. And they understand sarcasm. That's a huge thing. Like I'm very sarcastic when I teach yes. and my second graders would just look at me. One or two kids would like know what I was talking about. And the rest just thought I was like really mean. So that definitely my personality just vibes better with my fourth graders. I think I would really like fourth or fifth grade or even maybe sixth grade. Um, Cause you just, Like you said, you get to be real with them and like have real conversations, you know, like about not serious stuff, but I mean, you can, I guess like they just, they're more mature. They're more ready for it. And I feel like, you know, because I am that teacher that wants to connect with them, I feel like that's more needed in like the upper grade levels versus, you know, the younger grades, primary grades, they love school. They love to be there. They, they don't need a lot to get them excited versus by the time they get to upper elementary and middle school, they're kind of like, yeah, I don't really like school. So if I can be that one to kind of jazz them up, like, I love that. Yeah. And motivate them. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, what about any end of year activities that you do with your kids? Do you have any like tradition type stuff that you do or just fun stuff? So one of my traditions that I've done every single year and I will do every year until I die is shaving cream on desks because I remember doing that as a kid and I loved it. And it's one of those things that I've always remembered. So I want to be able to create that experience for my students. So basically I know some teachers try to tie it to curriculum. No, I just put some shaving cream on the desk and say, go at it, but you can tie it to curriculum if needed, have kids practice cursive handwriting. They can practice spelling words. They can, you know, illustrate um, something from like a story. There's ways to connect it if you have to, because I know some schools are like sticklers about that, but I just love having them put the shaving cream on the desk, have fun with it. It helps to clean the desk. So I totally think there's a purpose. Um, Something that I started doing about two years ago for like the last day, because by the last day, everything's pretty much packed up and like, you don't have a lot of resources. I love doing minute to win it games because they don't require a whole lot. They're super engaging and the students just love them. So I've started doing minute to win it games. That's always a lot of fun with them. I've also done with second grade, although I'm not doing it with my fourth graders. Um, mostly because we don't have as much time because of testing and everything. But with second grade, I did like an ABC countdown for the last 26 days. So the 26th day from the last day is A, and you can have it stand for anything. It can be, you know, art and you do some kind of an art project and you, I love it because you can customize it to fit whatever you're able to do or can do with your students, but it just gives them something to kind of look forward to, like, as it gets closer and closer to the end of the year. I've never heard of the ABC thing until this year. And like, we have a new principal, so she's doing it. And then I don't know. I just like keep hearing people talk about it. I'm like, I've never heard of that before, but yeah, 
I like it. And it starts the countdown. Yes. Way early. Usually I do like a 10 day thing. Yeah. That's kind of what I had started with. And then <laughs> my second year, I'm like, okay, we're going to start early. Cause I'm just ready for the end of the year. But I've also heard of teachers doing it like with their actual students. So basically however many students you have, you start that many days from the last day. And each day is like dedicated to that student. Um, so it can be things like having their classmates, write Kind things to them. They can get special privileges, like being the line leader, having a lunch bunch, things like that. And I feel like that's a really good way to kind of connect with your students one last time before the end of the school year. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about doing that. We have 16 kids. Oh so, gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm envious. Uh, well, I have 31 kids, but I have, they're like in two okay. separate classes. Yeah, I have 34 wow. in one of my classes. It's great. Yes. What? That's the it's How the biggest change from second to fourth and also just district to district. But I have 29 in my homeroom. I have like 27 in my first block and then I have 34 in my second block. It's crazy. So you teach three sections, essentially? Two sections because my homeroom, I don't really teach them. I teach some of them because some of them are in my blocks. But basically, they're with me in the morning. They're with me in the afternoon. And then like right now when I'm park testing, they're the class that I give the park test to. So 30. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I used to complain. I didn't even know that was like legal. Yeah. I used to complain about having like 24 second graders. And now I wish I could uh-huh. go back and be like, Michelle, you are so stupid. <laughs> like 24 was amazing. Yeah. 34, like pre-hormonal fourth graders. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my yeah, gosh. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's wrap up with, um, I want to know your biggest pet peeve in teaching right now. So this is such a minor thing and I can see where it wouldn't bother other people, but for me, it just drives me crazy. So whenever a student will like raise their hand and whether it's a question or a comment, but it's something kind of like out there that people weren't really expecting to hear. And the rest of the kids all start going, what, why, why it drives me insane. Mostly because I just think it's super rude. And like, imagine being that student suddenly the whole class is going like, what are you talking about? So from the very first day of school, like I tell my kids, I'm like, don't you dare like, and I have to remind them they forget, but that just drives me crazy that. And then kind of similar if like a student gets in trouble for something or I'm very like if a student says something kind of like snarky to me I'll say something snarky back like I'm not rude to them it's just part of like my you know personality with them and then the rest of the class will go like oh and that drives me crazy too I'm like don't do it <laughs> it's such a minor thing <laughs> yeah, don't draw more attention <sighs> well that makes me think of like and maybe it's not as much in the older grades but like in second grade we'll be like I can't even think of anything like off the top of my head, but, um, we'll be talking about like, Oh, we're going to go to this assembly and whatever. And then the questions of, well, what if <laughs> like we're late? What if yeah. like, we don't know, like the what if questions and I'm like, stop asking what if right, like right. we could, what if ourselves to death? <laughs> okay. What's keeping you sane right now? Okay. So my current obsession is a candle. Don't judge me. It's called the Capri Blue Volcano Candle. You can get it on Amazon. I first discovered it when I was in Nebraska visiting some of my friends. We went to a little boutique and there was this candle and I smelled it and I was like, what is that? Like, I can't even, it's like a fresh kind of citrusy smell. But as soon as I saw it, I like went on Amazon, ordered one. So it was there at my house when I got home. And like, I've been lighting that every night when I'm like lesson planning, it just smells amazing. It's kind of pricey. Like a larger candle is like 20 to $30, which is to me expensive for a candle. Cause I was always like the cheap one getting like $4 candles, yeah. but it's totally worth it. Like I will pay that for that candle all day long. Is it the one that's like the ombre, like the canister or like the jar or whatever is like an ombre color? Um, well, I've seen, they have different like canisters for it. It's mostly this like Royal blue color. Yes. Okay. I think they sell it at like anthropology or something. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't go I to anthropology, but I've heard that they sell it there. Um, I went two weekends ago, me and my sister went shopping in like this kind of rich mall yeah. in San Antonio. And um, I was like, hey, there's anthropology. Let's just like walk in and see. Like I couldn't even afford anything right, in the right. sale. I, rack. I was like, mm, I'm, I'm out. Feeling. 
Um, and then favorite kid moment. Okay. So my favorite kid moment, I mean, I have so many, it's hard. I'm going to give one from this school year just cause it's recent in my mind. So another big change from second grade to fourth grade is that fourth graders watch YouTube and they all know about my channel. Um, I hadn't really, I wasn't trying to keep it secret. I just wasn't coming out and telling them about it. But first day of school, I had a kid sit there and go, you have a YouTube channel. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I can't even get through one day. It turns out that his sister like watched me and that's how he knew, but still, so my kids have all known uh-huh. about my channel and they have been on me to do merch, like merchandise, like t-shirts and all that. And I keep telling them, I'm like, I'm working on it, but I've got other things like trying to run a marathon. So they finally, <laughs> I guess, got tired of like waiting for me to create t-shirts, which still has not happened by the way. And one day, one of my girls came in, she had taken a white t-shirt and she drew my logo with like fabric markers all over the shirt. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And then just recently I had a news crew come to interview me like at school about the Boston Marathon thing. And my students were like getting to be on camera. She wore the shirt, which I just thought I'm like, you were so smart. <laughs> Is it in the video? Can you like, you can see her. Yeah. So, um, the news report, there's one part where the, um, lady is like talking and she's in the background, the student. And like, you can see her with the shirt and I'm like, brand placement like totally appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> was that like so awkward having news reporters in yeah, your classroom and especially because I didn't really have a heads up um I was literally at the airport like the night before and I was flying home I didn't get home till late and then the next day I was going back to school I checked my email and they're like oh hey by the way a news crew is coming tomorrow and I'm like uh what like I was planning on bumming it today like as comfy as possible no yeah. hair, no ma- well no I'll have hair no makeup <laughs> not doing my hair and yeah so that was it was interesting but I'm happy my students got to be a part of it because I thought that that was cool for them they were excited they got to talk to like the news reporters so well and they got to like follow you through that process right and like that was like the culminating thing like coming back from the marathon having the news crew telling them about it like yeah that was the best end to it okay um you had two other really funny stories that you shared in the questionnaire that I sent you will you please tell those yeah okay um so the first one this was my first year of teaching and we were doing like opinion writing and to kind of culminate that when they finished their opinion pieces, we were going to have like a debate. And I remember talking to my kids. I'm like, does anyone know what a debate is? And I had a boy very confidently raise his hand and he wasn't saying it to be funny. Like he legitimately thought that this was the answer. He said, yeah, debate is what you used to catch to fish. <laughs> and I just lost it. I'm like this kid, like he's going to grow up and do like stand up comedy without even trying to like, I just thought it was hilarious, That's, but that made me laugh when I read it. Yeah. (laughs) And then the second one was actually just last year. I used a classroom management like strategy with my students called blurt beans because we were having a lot of difficulty with just blurting out. So basically I had little like uncooked beans that I bought from the store. And when my students would come up to the carpet, I'd give them a bean and they were responsible for holding on to it. And if they blurted, they had to give me their bean. So they lost it. But at the end, if they still had their bean, they added it to a jar. And then when the jar filled up, they got like some kind of a class prize. So I had a student, um, and I guess he was trying to do a magic trick and he was trying to make the bean disappear and he put it in his ear and all of a sudden he, he like screams out and raises his hand and he was, he was autistic. So like, he was like freaking out at this point and he's like, Miss Ray, it's stuck. It's stuck. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's stuck. What is stuck? He's like the bean. And I'm like, stuck where, Like where is this bean? And he's like in my ear. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So sure enough, I look and it's like wedged in his ear. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like pause this lesson and I'm going to try to get it out of his ear. I could not even get it out with your yes, fingers like with your at this fingers. point. Like I just wanted the bean out of this kid's ear. Cause like, I can't even imagine making this phone call home. Like, Hey, by the way, here's yeah. what happened with your kid today. So I tried to get it out, could not get it out, which I was like, Oh my goodness. So I write him a nurse slip and I'm like, how do I even explain this? Like, Hey, he has a bean stuck in his ear. Can you take care of this? <laughs> Thank goodness. She was able to get it out. So it was all good. He took it home in like a plastic baggie as a souvenir. <laughs> But I explained oh to his gosh. mom, I was friends with his mom. She was one of the like volunteers I had in my classroom. So I told her what happened and she laughed, thankfully, like she wasn't upset about it. And then later that night, she sent me a link to like a YouTube song and it was called like Beans in My Ears. And I listened to it and I was just cracking up. So for the rest of the year, I would like sing that to him. <laughs> it was one of those moments where I'm like, nothing will ever happen like this again. Like I'm completely okay with that. But like, yeah. you can't think that up. Like when you go into teaching, you never expect things like that to happen and you cannot prepare for them. And those are the things that you're like, and this is why I love teaching because funny stuff like this happens. Yep, absolutely. So now you're like, okay, I'm going to use lima beans, like the biggest (laughs) beans I can find. I actually, or something worse. I really like that idea for 
that could even be like a good end of year. Like if somebody's listening and you know, it's like the end of the year stretch and kids yeah. are like, you know, like wearing out on your behavior. Yeah. You don't even have to do beans. Like if you're worried, you know, of it getting stuck in a kid's ear, I've seen, they make like those mini popsicle sticks where they're like a third of the size of a regular popsicle stick. And I had tried it in a year prior where my kids got three to keep throughout the day, just on the corner of their desk. It had their names on it. And then if they lost it, they had to give it to me. And at the end, I think I was doing like Jojo points, however many like little sticks they had left at the end, they'd get that many dojo points. That's good. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. fun. I mean, and that's something you could even try like a few weeks before school's over. Yes. See how it works, work it out and then, you know, go into the new year. Yeah. With that. Yeah. Okay. So tell us where we can find you. So I'm most active on YouTube and Instagram. And my name on both of them is just Pocketful of Primary. Obviously on Instagram, there's no spaces. And then on YouTube, it's just Pocketful of Primary. And it's Pocketful with one L. A lot of people get confused on that. <laughs> um, also, I am on Facebook under the same name as well, Pocketful of Primary. I'm not super active on Facebook, but you know, every once in a while I post on there. And then my Teachers Pay Teacher store is under the same name as well, Pocketful of Primary. Okay, and that was another thing I was going to ask. Do you have... Um... Do you have stuff on your Teachers Pay Teachers? It's like packing list or something. I feel like I saw. Yes, I have an end of the year checklist pack on TPT. And it basically has everything you need to kind of organize the end of the school year. So it has all kinds of checklists. I have like one that's basically just for like students, like things that students can help you with. And then I have like end of the year checklist that you would use. And then I have ones where you can kind of organize it. Like, here's the things I want to do in April and in May and in June, and even breaking it down to like each week and then each day of the week to kind of really just organize all of those things. That would be super helpful, especially for like a new teacher. Who's like you said, trying to figure out how to do it all at the beginning or the end of their first year. Yeah. And I will say, I also have a YouTube video that kind of goes through all of my like end of the year tips. Um, if you go to my YouTube channel and then just search like end of the year, it should pop right up, but I kind of go through and I even show you some of the checklists so you can see them like in person before actually purchasing them. And I have even more tips. Some of them I mentioned on this podcast, but I have like some other tips that are there as well. Along with, I have one for like end of the year activities. Cause we talked about that as well. Okay, perfect. Well, people need to go and get them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing with us. I, you were so positive and exciting and yeah, I love this it. Was, this was fun. I've never done like a podcast before, but now I'm like, Oh, I want to do another one. Like this was so much well, fun. I'm glad that you can come back on and we can yeah. do another one about <laughs> yeah. something else. Thank you for having me though. This was awesome. Michelle and I recorded this about two weeks ago, and the day we recorded, I was in such a funk, like the, I hate my job, this is so boring, my kids are so unengaged funk. But after chatting with Michelle, I went to school the next day with a new frame of mind. I was encouraged and I was motivated. I love that this podcast that I created to encourage you is really encouraging me. I went to school the next day and I stood on chairs. I even tried some accents, didn't really like that idea that much. But my kids looked at me like I was crazy, but I had fun and they had fun. I was excited and their behavior was so much better. I loved what Michelle said about the students who need love the most often ask for it in the most unloving ways. I know that I know that I know that is true, but sometimes I forget it in the moment. But it is so true. When you can find ways to love the most unlovable kids, it really can turn the whole day around. So like Michelle said, she has a ton of resources on her TPT site, plus free videos full of ideas for you. Don't worry, I know she mentioned a ton of stuff that you want to go check out, but I did all the hard work for you. I found her stuff and I put them all in the show notes for you. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. Thanks for listening to the Simply Teach podcast. Make sure to join back next week for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review so other great teachers like you can find us.